as we continue worshiping a God who gives so much of himself for us, um, we come to that time in our service where we look at the word of God that has been given to us as a gift. Our first passage of scripture comes from the prophet Isaiah, um, chapter 58, verses 5 through 8. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves is only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying lying in sackcloth and ashes. Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is this not, is this, not the, this kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to divide, provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Our second passage comes from the prophet of Zechariah, chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. In the fourth year of King Darius, the word came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, in the month of Kislev. The people of Bethel sent Shakarir and Regim Malik together with their men to entreat the Lord by asking the priests of the house of the Lord Almighty and the prophets, should I mourn and fast in the fifth month as I have done for so many years? Then the word of the Lord Almighty came to me. Ask all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth month, was it really for me that you fasted? This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. Amen. Would you bow for a word of prayer? Gracious God, we do indeed give you thanks and praise for this, your holy word, and for the wisdom contained therein. Lord, I ask that you would be present with us now in this space, in this time, that you would reveal yourself to us in a powerful and mighty way. Lord, we come with our hearts prepared to hear from you. So we ask, God, that you would open our eyes that we would see, open our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that we come to know and understand your word and indeed your ultimate will. Open our hearts that we would feel its power. And by your grace, I ask, O God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we have excellent food in the woodlands. Amen? Amen? Uh, We have excellent food in Texas. I have traveled uh, to different parts of this country, to different parts of the world, and I come with you with conviction today to tell you that there is no food in this world better than food in Texas. And I also firmly believe, without a shadow of a doubt, that the food that you could find in the woodlands is as good as any food as you will find anywhere. And I'll, I'll use the woodlands kind of in, 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 a, in a broader kind of Oak Ridge, North Shenandoah, Creekside, Tomball, woodland sense, okay? Fo- follow with me now. If you want anything fried, you should go to Mel's. 
But I, that's not even the best thing on Mel's menu. Chicken and dumplings. Brothers and sisters, if you want chicken and dumplings, you got to go to Mel's, right? If you want queso, you need to go to Lone Star Taco at 1488 and 2978. Hallelujah, amen. And if you like torchies better, it's just because you hadn't had Lone Star Tacos queso. All right, if you want fajitas, you can go to Papacitas or you can go to Uncle Julio's. You're going to find some incredible fajitas. How about that pork chop Friday at Perry's? Whoo! Mmm. Man, they are trying to kill you. You cannot, go, you cannot go to work after you have lunch pork chop on Friday at Perry's. And if you hadn't had it, it is the best deal, period. Take it home, feed everybody else for dinner. You don't need nothing for dinner because you had lunch, okay? We have incredible food around here. And, and, and if, if I'm honest, that means I have the hardest spiritual discipline sermon that we are going to cover this entire summer. I am here today to talk about fasting. And I have just made all of you hungry, and all of you are wondering, where am I going for lunch today? And that's the point. Fasting is not easy. It's not. Especially when you know what good food tastes like, and whenever you like good food. So I, I want to start by asking the question, what is fasting? I don't want to assume that all of us know what fasting is. So, so what is fasting? Maybe, maybe I'll actually begin with what fasting is not. Fasting is not dieting where you feel holy and righteous. I know you because I know myself, all right? Fasting is not on Ash Wednesday you say, I ain't going to have dessert all Lent. And then on the other end of it, I'm going to be six pounds slimmer. Y'all know you do that. Don't act like you, you're, you're it. I can give up Coke and Dr. Pepper for Lent and come out five pounds less. That's not very many weeks, which shows my addiction, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, fasting is not dieting that allows you to feel more holy. Fasting is also, it's also not uh, uh, an Oprah Winfrey uh, uh, favorite things sort of an endeavor. Where when you fast, all of a sudden God just showers everything you ask for upon you. Some of us approach fasting in that way. As though if I fast for this thing that I want or this thing that I need or this thing that I desire, God's going to bless me and give it to me. That's not what fasting is. It doesn't work that way. Ask King David. I'll save that for another sermon. It's a powerful powerful story that shows us that fasting is not about getting what you want. Fasting is about drawing near to God. What is fasting? If I was going to define fasting, uh, I would define it this way. Now, 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 I didn't steal this from Webster. Get this from dictionary.com. I, I began with my own and then looked to see what I was missing, and I saw a lot of what they were missing, and this is what I would say fasting is. Fasting is to voluntarily Deny oneself some kinds of food or drink as a means of grace. Voluntarily choosing to do it. Now, some of us have had a surgery. 
and the doctor said, you have to fast until, right, like after midnight or after dinner until the surgery. Like, that, that's a, a medical fast. That's not a spiritual fast. That's not a biblical fast, okay? Voluntarily choosing to do this. Deny some kind of food or drinks, right? So, so it might be all food and drink. It might be some. It might be bread and water is the only allowable thing. It might mean nothing is the only thing uh, is, is, is what you're going to eat or drink. So, so there are meats and bounds, different kinds of fasting, but you're voluntarily giving it up, and it's a means of grace. What is means of grace? mean for us means of grace it, it, th- these are the methods through which we experience or receive or understand the grace if we if we want to if we want to connect with god and god's uh, infinite and boundless grace then then we uh, we, we enter into these means of grace, uh, whether they be worship or Bible study or prayer or fasting. Those would be works of piety or, 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 or works of mercy, uh, of serving the, those that are in need, of blessing our neighbors, of visiting the sick, of visiting those in prison. All of those would be uh, works of mercy. Works of piety, works of mercy come together to be, to be the means of grace. And so fasting is a means of grace for us. One of my good friends, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Jackie King, uh, who's a, a Methodist pastor, now works in uh, United Methodist Discipleship in Nashville for, for the global church. She defines fasting in this way. She says, she says, fasting is not about skipping a meal because whatever you are not Eat, whenever you are not eating, you are dining with our Heavenly Father Almighty. You're dining with God. So it's not about what you're missing. It's about what you're receiving. It's not about what you aren't doing. It's about what you are doing. And I got to admit, fasting for me has always been a challenge. It's been an, an immense struggle. And, and I use this Isaiah 58 passage as, as a means by which I rejected fasting as a principle altogether. I used to say, hey, look, what God's interested in is not my fasting. What God's interested in is all this good stuff we could go and do. I need to visit more and care more, and I need to do more to help my neighbors. I need to be invested more in the things that I'm doing and less in what I'm not doing. Fasting is worthless is what I used to say to myself. But honestly, I would reject fasting by Isaiah 58 because I was gluttonous, or I am gluttonous. Gluttony is not a sin we often talk about, but, but, but it runs uh, directly in the face of fasting. And it challenges all of us uh, to, to whether or not we can experience fasting and the gift that it is because we are so full. And we like to be full because we like to be over full, over gluttonies. And my gluttony is, uh, is justified by all sorts of uh, uh, humor and uh, all, sorts of, all sorts of mess. But in the end, it's just gluttony. It's just sin. And so I rejected fasting because I said I have, uh, I have a really high metabolism. Uh, I... I, I need to eat a lot. I need to eat more than y'all need to eat. So if I really need to eat, then I really don't need to fast. No, seriously, that's the stupidity with which I approach fasting, right? It, it, that, that, that's the foolishness 
with which I engaged the topic. I didn't even want to hear about it. I didn't want anyone to talk about it. I didn't want anybody to tell me to fast or, 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 or recommend fasting to me because uh, I didn't want to go without. I wanted to go with. I wanted more. And, and then this funny thing happened. It's funny thing happened. So, so whenever you're uh, ordained a United Methodist pastor, you, you stand before a bunch of preachers and lay leaders uh, uh, from the conference, thousands of them, and then the bishop stands in front of you, and the bishop, like, in front of all these thousands of people, asks you these questions. And these questions, like, have all sorts of power and potency. And, and, and at the end uh, of, uh, of this, this series of questions, when you come to the end, the, actually the 16th question is this. The 16th question says, will you recommend fasting or abstinence both by precept and example? If we would have just left the end out of it, I could have told y'all how good fasting was all day long. All need to fast. Fast, 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 fast. But then at the end of that, it said, by example. I mean, I, 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 I was standing there, and I'm looking out. There's my dad, who's a retired pastor in the conference. There's men and women of the faith who have blessed me and and shaped and molded my life and my call and my ministry in so many fantastic and and, and profound ways, and I looked at them, and I had to ask myself a, a question. In that moment, I asked myself, are you going to lie to them? Because I was graduating from seminary, going to become a pastor. The very, I mean, it, the, that, that, that night, the, the next night, actually, I was going to be a pastor. And I had to ask myself, was I going to lie to all these people? I had never fasted in my life. And I felt that conviction, and, and, and the Holy Spirit gave me some resolve uh, and allowed me to say yes with a spirit-filled conviction that I knew in that moment was going to require change. I could not do what I had been doing. I had to do something different, and so I had to try this wretched thing called fasting. And then um, it began to change me. Every time I fasted from that day to now, God has done a profound and serious work in me or in those around me, and, and it's changed me. So I, I come to you as one who would have listened to this sermon and said, ah, that's for someone else. But now I would listen to the sermon and say, amen. So I hope that you'll receive that uh, testimony and know that I have been where you have been if you're thinking fasting is not for me. And part of that transformation uh, from that night, answering yes and moving on, was I, 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 went, I turned to the scripture. 
re-examined God's holy word, and I, and I said, how have I been using Isaiah 58 to say, I don't need fasting, I could do these other good things, and, and, and what, what does the God's word tell me uh, about fasting that I need to, to learn from and really dive into, and it's three stories particularly that have transformed my life uh, and my perspective on fasting. First comes from Esther, Esther chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. And, and, and this is the time in which Esther is going to approach the king and ask the king's favor, something that she is not supposed to do, something that she should not have the authority, power, or boldness to do. And when she does it, though, she knows that, that, that she's putting her, her life and maybe even the life of, of others on the line. And so uh, she approaches in this way. Esther 4, 15 and 16 says this, Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Uh, she says, go and gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night and day, and I, uh, I and my attendants will fast as you do. So I'm going to fast, my attendants are going to fast, all of y'all need to fast, we're all going to fast together. And then when this thing is done, I will go to the king even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. She says, I'm going to fast we're going to fast. I need you to fast. We're all going to fast together. And we're fasting uh, so that the community can receive a blessing. So that the community can experience grace in a way uh, that, that, that we can only imagine. We can't really fathom it. But, but we're going to come together and do this where it's not just me and it's not just you. But we together will fast so that God will hear our cries. It's as though they, 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 took, they took fasting and they said that it was prayer on steroids. It was prayer with sacrifice. It was saying, God, we're going, we're going to beseech you, but we're going to show uh, the, the fact that, that we believe that this is the kind of thing that you would be invested in and we'll offer our lives. To you in this way through the sacrifice of fasting. The next example that that uh, that I turn to is Jonah, Jonah chapter three verse seven and uh, through ten. Now most of us think of the Jonah story and we think of like uh, the the whale and the and all of that, right? Yeah, that was the vomiting out on the shore of a human being, which is disgusting. We'll talk about that another day. So uh, so, but we got to remember that Jonah was 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 called by God to go to Nineveh. To offer a word of testimony, uh, Jonah went the other direction, uh, and as Jonah went the other direction, went into the whale, got spit out from the whale, went to Nineveh, and offered the testimony that God had in store. And then, uh, do you remember what the testimony involved? It involved something like, uh, you're a bunch of evil people, if you don't repent, you're all going to die. That's God's word through Jonah to Nineveh. Y'all remember that? Oh, that, that wasn't in VeggieTales? Okay. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> So, so Jonah tells Nineveh this thing, like, like they're all going to die because they're so wicked. Uh, and, and then the king uh, says this thing. He offers this proclamation. Uh, he says, this is the proclamation that he issued to Nineveh. By, decree, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let uh, people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God and let them give up their evil ways 
and their violence. Who knows? We will not perish. When God uh, saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. The part we didn't read about is that then Jonah gets all kinds of frustrated because God told Jonah to make a promise about destruction, and then when they fasted and repented, God relented and offered them grace. But there's a nuance that I want you to hear in, 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 in this particular uh, passage. In the king's decree, the king says, as we fast, we're all going to do it. But, but not just all of the people, everything, animals, livestock, nothing, people, nobles, everybody, we're all going to do it. I'm not going to feed my dog or cat until this fast is over. And PETA is going to, PETA, is that the right, is that the right, they're going to be mad? What's, no, oh, uh, sorry, uh, distraction, rabbit. Uh, nothing, no one, is going to eat anything. But, but, but then the turn, as you're doing that, while you're not eating anything, while you are fasting, you will then be able to turn from your evil ways, to give up your evil ways and your violence. You see, this fasting is a space in which God can individually meet with everyone in the entire community and, and reveal to them the things in their hearts, the things in their lives that they need to change, that they need to turn from, that they need to repent from. You, you see that? Their fast is going to allow God to move in individuals' lives and lead us into a life of holiness. The last biblical example uh, is in Matthew chapter 4, uh, verses 1 and 2. Uh, it says this, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And then the story goes on and reveals the ways in which Satan tempts Jesus. Jesus is going to do a spiritual battle with Satan, spiritual warfare with Satan. And he has a way of preparing for spiritual warfare. How does he prepare? He fasts. He fasts. Forty days. Jesus fasts in preparation for spiritual warfare. You see, all of the ways in which we, uh, we find excuses, or I, I'll just put me in here, and if, 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 if you've been here or are here, then you can come along with me. All of the ways in which I have found excuses and uh, 
weak rationale and justification for avoiding fasting as a spiritual discipline and, and rejecting it altogether, all those things that I have done, the Bible is clear that there is power, that there is blessing, that there is restoration, that there is reconciliation, that there is, that there is opportunity for community and for individual, all wrapped up in the gift of fasting. Fasting as a voluntary act of denying oneself some food or drink for a specific period of time as a means of grace. It's as though whenever you fast, God has something prepared for you, whether you know it or not. You know, so for some of us, uh, we know something we need to fast for. Uh, maybe we, uh, we are entering into a season of prayer or discernment over something, uh, a change of employment, a change of residency. Uh, maybe uh, we're facing some particular challenge or, or uh, of health or of, uh, of, of life's uh, uh, challenge or purpose. And so uh, we enter into that and we say, this is the thing through which I fast for so that I can encounter God and say, God, what is it that you have for me in this fast? Others of us, we, we don't have a particular reason to fast, but it doesn't mean we don't fast because when we fast, if we fast, we go into the fast and say, God, what is it that you have for me? And I think that that's actually what Isaiah was talking about, what God was talking about through Isaiah in Isaiah 58. You, you see, when Isaiah hears this word uh, and, and God challenges it and says, like, is this the fast that I desire? Do you know what I really desire in the fast? And then it says, here's the things that I think will be outcomes of the fast. When you fast, chains will be loosed, yokes will be released, burdens will be released, the oppressed will experience freedom, and neighbors will receive blessings from neighbors. You'll care for them. In ways you did not care before. And I think that's because whenever we fast, we, we stop being full. You and I spend our lives full. Over and over again, filling ourselves to, to overfilled. So that we are always so full that we can't acknowledge our own emptiness or the emptiness of those that are around us. Do you hear me? We are so full that we don't see the emptiness of those around us, or we cannot acknowledge our own emptiness. And so whenever we fast, we say, God, what is it that you have for me? And then in that space, God shows us our own emptiness, our own brokenness, our need for repentance and reconciliation, and he transforms us and moves powerfully in us. And God opens our eyes to all the emptiness of those neighbors around us, and we're able to see people that we've never seen before. We're able to engage people we've never engaged before. And then in that space, God calls us to do something about it. We're so full, we never allow ourselves to experience emptiness or see the emptiness of those around us. And so I have a challenge for you, brothers and sisters. This week, this week, one day, one day, you choose the day. You choose the meets and the bounds of your fast, whether it's sundown to sundown or sunrise to sundown or 24 hours or lunchtime or I don't care 
one day this week, fast. Fast. And in your fast, ask God, God, what is it that you have for me? Where am I empty? Show me the emptiness of those around me. So that each, you and the community around you, might be filled with the grace and love of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? God, I'm so sorry for all the many years that I failed to create space for you to move in my life through the gift of fasting. Lord, I pray that you would come into this space and time by the power of your spirit with a, with a convicting spirit to invite each and every person into a fast this week. Lord, I know that you have a word, that you have a message for every person in this room. Without fail, every one of us, you have something for us. And so we pray, oh God, that as we enter this week, as we fast, as a community and as individuals, that you would profoundly transform through the word we hear. Lord, we thank you for meeting with us in this time, for the work that we're able to do in studying your word, and we pray, God, that you would meet with us now. As we continue in worship and we enter into this time of offering, Lord, we thank you for the gifts in which you've blessed us with, and we ask, Lord, that as we uh, return a portion of these gifts back to your church, that, that you would have uh, a profound impact through them. Lord, we pray your blessing upon uh, each and every gift and each and every giver, that all that is done in this space and time would be to your glory, honor, and praise. We pray it all in Jesus' name.